Welcome to the TF Blockchain Podcast, where we interview blockchain, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency innovators actively building products and platforms in this emerging technology. I'm your host and founder of TF Blockchain, Jonathan G. Blanco. TF Blockchain hosts conferences and monthly events in cities across North America, with chapters in Seattle, Portland, Vancouver, Austin, and San Francisco. Our next conference, TF4, will be on November 14th in Seattle. For more information about our monthly chapter events, starting a chapter in your city, or our TF4 conference on November 14th, please visit us at tfblock.io. Wanted to let you know about our recently announced TF Labs, a blockchain and product strategy studio. At TF Labs, we are working with companies through corporate innovation to establish their blockchain product strategy and also building blockchain-focused startups internally. To get involved or for more information, please visit us at tflabs.io. Well, TF Blockchain Vancouver, thank you so much for being out here tonight on this beautiful, beautiful day. Uh, my name is Jonathan G. Blanco. I'm really excited to introduce our guest, Matt McKinney from ArcBlock. Please give him a round of applause. Matt, thanks. how you doing? Hey, very good. Thanks, thanks everyone. And uh, on behalf of ArcBlock, thanks for coming out and uh, just give us a little opportunity to talk about identity, blockchain, DLT, and kind of whatever the other topic comes up tonight. Uh, I know we appreciate it very much. For sure. Why don't you give a just quick introduction to yourself uh, to the room? You have some Vancouver roots. Sure. So, so again, my name is Matt. Uh, I'm the head of marketing and business development at a company called ArcBlock. So ArcBlock is actually based just south of the border, um, right outside of Seattle, Washington. Um, I feel like we're, we're actually related. So I've actually been working out of Vancouver for the last 10 years uh, before I actually joined ArcBlock, uh, the company. So I actually work for, uh, actually part owner and worked for a um, leading infrastructure company that's here in Vancouver with uh, data centers across the world. And um, so I have a lot of tie-ins. I'm very familiar with uh, data privacy rules in Canada, PII, and kind of all the things that Canadians find important, which, um, you know, down on, down south of the border, it's a little bit different perspective. And uh, but I'm glad to be here. And actually, this is this is a, a great opportunity to talk about things that we're passionate about, things that ArcBlock's doing, um, and also learning a little bit about what everybody else is doing. And I think for me, that's actually the the, the biggest value, and actually the, the the most fun I have is actually talking to people and talking about things they're working on, things they're interested in, and really looking at kind of what's happening in the industry. So um, I appreciate it, and thanks everybody. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's it's all about education. You know, pr providing methods for people to understand more uh, at regardless of the level that you're at, right? Mm -hmm. That's right, that's right. There, I think, just talk, going through the room, how many people in here are marketers? Yeah, there's a, there's a few. How many, how many are developers? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, pretty even, right? And I think that that's actually a really great thing to see. And um, one of the things that's been happening over the past six months is there, there is now a transition starting to happen. So a lot of the, as you guys, I think everybody knows, first there was the crypto cycle, and then with the blockchain cycle, a lot of developers moved into the space, you know, created all sorts of amazing technologies, theories, ideas. But now I think you're also at the point where blockchain and DLT is beginning to become a reality for people, right? There's actually tools being built, there's apps being built, services becoming available. And in fact, even, you know, decentralized identity now is something that's starting to happen um, in the industry, which is uh, a really interesting topic for a lot of people. I agree. I think what's really interesting is that, you know, it seems as though we're getting past the protocol phase, right? Like those are starting to be established. We, we know what the protocols are. Sure, there will be some more protocol layer type stuff 
uh, infrastructure layer stuff that comes about. But it, there's really this opportunity now to start thinking about the DAP layer um, across the different protocols. Um, yeah, let, let's talk more about that. Yeah, it's. Um I, I often refer to it as kind of the, the, the white paper season. So I think a lot of people know, I mean, how many, I, I assume a lot of people in this room have, have gone to a website and you start to like, oh, I'm, I'm really interested in looking at this product. And what you actually find is they just have a white paper and that's their product. And um, one of the things, again, that's happening in the industry is you're, you are starting to see those. And, and there's been a natural progression, right? Blockchain 1.0 and uh, you know, 2.0, 3.0 is kind of the current um, current term you hear in the industry, you know, 1.0 being kind of Bitcoin, you know, 2.0 being Ethereum, where you began to add smart contracts, a little bit more of a nuance to it. Blockchain 3.0 is really about the dApps, right? It's really about actually starting to build things. They, they've solved some of the problems. There's a lot of scalability issues, a lot of developer kind of um, challenges that you have in that 1.0 and 2.0. And, um, you know, even with Ethereum and their scalability problems, for example, and 3.0 was really meant to kind of start to solve those problems. Um, and move the industry forward to uh, kind of the next level. And I, I think it's, um, even today, you know, you, you, you haven't seen a lot of dApps um, besides, I, I was talking to a few people earlier, but you know, if you look at, you know, Tron, EOS, Ethereum, really a lot of the, the, the leading dApps are in fact gambling apps or gaming apps, um, but they're not actually things that are particularly useful for people. Um, and in fact, it's kind of a, a set segment of people that, that use those. It's actually not something that from a, a business perspective or a company's perspective, that's really gonna drive a lot of value. And it's not something where, you know, if you wanna go talk to an executive and say, hey, I've got this great idea about a, a, a blockchain-based or a DLT-based D app, um, they're gonna say, well, what, you know, what kind of value is there? What kind of revenue can we make? Well, like, you know, if it's not gambling, you know, I don't know, you know it's hard to say. So um, there's definitely a lot of activity happening. And um, for ArcBlock specifically, so, those of you who don't know, so ArcBlock originally was an ICO back in 2000, early 2018. Um, the company's actually made a lot of progress since then. Um, we, we were one of those companies that classified ourselves as a blockchain 3.0 company. Um, I kind of take issue with the, the term 3.0 because anytime you put a number on it, you're already out of date, um, especially from a marketing perspective. Um, and in fact, I, I would say what's happened in the past three months is you are starting to see blockchain 3.5, right? And really 4.0. Um, and, and, and funnily enough, I'll just kind of a quick tangent is there was um, about a month ago, I was reading our article and there, this company was like, oh, we are blockchain 5.0, right? Which I, I, whatever that is, I don't actually know. Um, but what's interesting with the 3.0 and, and the 3.5, and, and this is particularly important for D apps, decentralized applications, um, anybody looking to use DLT is that Companies like, um, if you've heard of like Polkadot, um, a company called Cosmos, um, ArcBlock as well. Um, these are companies that are building these new style of blockchains and what they call interconnected blockchains. Um, internet, interconnected blockchains are critical for kind of this next step of dApp development because it removes the scalability problem that exists in the industry today. I mean, part of the reason you have the gambling apps is because there is no scale, right? I can't actually build a, a real application that can process a lot of transactions. Um, I mean, Ethereum is what, seven transactions per second? Has anybody actually transferred on Ethereum network recently? Because it's painfully slow. Like if you, if you actually even just send, you know, if I send you some tokens, it takes like 20 minutes. Like it's, it's ridiculous, right? So with this, this new, new next generation, and, and in fact, I think since the launch of, um, you know, what we call our ABT network, uh, this interconnected blockchain network, um, Polkadot, Cosmos, and now you're starting to see other companies like, you know, Bytum, Neo, everybody's actually starting to move in this direction of this, this new style of network. Uh, because again, it's something where no longer is one blockchain the normal, it's now I can have thousands of blockchains. Um, and in particular, um, we were talking about this the other night is 
now it's an idea of when I build one one particular blockchain, it's one blockchain does one thing really well. I build another blockchain to do something else, and I build another blockchain to do something else. Each of those blockchains can scale, you know, you know, horizontally, vertically, whatever you want it to be. Um, so, for the example being is, you know, if you're building like, you know, you want to have an asset chain or you want to have um, an account chain, right? These things are all become individual components. So, from a development standpoint, it simplifies, you know, building these dApps. Uh, by quite a bit. And so that's a, a big innovation that's happened uh, just in the past six months, um, which I think is a, it's a big deal. I think it's something where people are still getting, kind of getting their heads around this idea of these interconnected blockchains, because the funny part, and, and because we, we went through an ICO, um, I hear this a lot where people are, are you know, win mainnet, you know, or win, you know, to the moon, right, win mainnet. And I, I, I tell people with, with our blockchain, with our blockchain network, there is no mainnet. Right, it doesn't exist, right? And, and in theory, you know, today we've already got you know dozens of chains running on the network, right? For for ArcBlock, um, so it's something where you know the, that concept is, is kind of going away, um, and that's very much a Bitcoin Ethereum terminology. Um, so from it, well, it's interesting when you think about just interoperability altogether, right? So when we think about like PC, Mac, or just the tools on each, there is a time where it was very much everything was siloed. Like if you're doing stuff on a PC, it's all PC. If you're doing stuff on a Mac, it's all Mac. And then there's reality struck is like, hey, we need to have interoperability uh, across platform. Otherwise we're just, we're competing with each other, but we can kind of be, it's like frenemies in a way, yeah. right? And I, I definitely see that happening a lot when we start to think, or, or the, the potential for that to happen when we think about how um, blockchain is used, especially in an enterprise context. Mm -hmm. Because uh, you're naturally going to have different enterprise companies gravitate towards different blockchains, but then those different enterprise companies are so intertwined across verticals, customer sets, where they're interacting with different people. It's just going to be a natural evolution. Yeah, and it's um, so. So some of the, the the older folks in here will remember when AWS started or Azure started. You know, most companies typically would go, you know, we are AWS, and that's all we build on, or we only build on Azure, we only build on. I'm not gonna say Google Cloud because nobody uses Google Cloud. So I hope hopefully nobody's in here from Google, by the way. Um, but the idea being is, and then what happened is somebody came out with some neat software, and, and the the idea of multi-cloud became a reality, right? So all of a sudden, I just started using cloud, you know, cloud infrastructure wherever I actually needed it. Um, and one of the things with with blockchain, right, it's kind of going through the same cycle where again you you had Bitcoin and you had Ethereum, and very much kind of in a it's kind of in a bubble, right? Where where if I'm in the Ethereum network, I only can use like a certain set of tools, right? I can't. It's not very easy for me to go use data sets from Bitcoin or use data sets from EOS or ArcBlock or whoever it may be. And, um, but now what you're starting to see is with the, again, with these new networks is you have that ability that everything is interoperable, right? Meaning that, um, you know, the, the example would be is, you know, if Jonathan builds an app on ArcBlock and I build an app and say Ashton builds an app, everything is automatically interoperable. All these apps already work together. And more importantly, from, from an identity standpoint, um, the user can use any of those services with just one login which is a critical component for actual usability of the platform. Um, and because one of the things that we, we find is that one of the challenges you have is like today, if I want to use an app built on Tron or I want to build an app on something built on Bitcoin, new login, new login, new login, new login, right? It becomes very tedious, right? So the idea of kind of these these new networks and, um, and I think ArcBlock, um, just to kind of give a little plug here is we really one of the first to kind of think from a 3D perspective. And, and what I mean by that is that from day one is not, not only did we look at assets and accounts, but we also looked at decentralized identity as being a fundamental part of the network. So 
what we did from building out our network and building our platform is they said anything we anything that's built on on ArcBlock automatically that identity that somebody creates works anywhere inside of the network. There is no there is no a need for a second identity or, or third identity or fourth identity. And that applies to products, it applies to assets, it applies to apps, it applies to users. Um, so that identity can carry throughout, right? And that's a it's a it's a very big problem in the industry that I think people haven't actually realized is is coming down the pipeline. And um, you know I think fortunately we're we're well ahead of that. But it's a really a really critical component because again you know if I if I want to use his app and when I say him I'll say let's say I, I have my brother over here and my brother is not a blockchain person he sells uh, air conditioners as an example um, he doesn't care about blockchain even a little bit just just so everyone knows. and that's actually a true story um, but what's important to him is he wants to be able to use that app right he, he wants to use this app and he wants to use this app and I only want to use one login right the the example I've used um, just recently a few times so kind of like tell us so if you have like cable right so in the american side we have xfinity um up here you know whether it's Telus or whoever it is and that they now sell these devices and that one device gives you access to phone to internet to tv to something else and if you think about it it's actually kind of the the concept of an interconnected blockchain because i can use one identity to access all these different services through a single service if you will um so it's kind of a cool you know it's kind of that again that next thing that's coming and and um I think from a decentralized identity, that's that's what you'll start to see more of. I find that fascinating for a lot of reasons. Curious what your thoughts are when you think about decentralized identity. Is that something that needs to live on the protocol level, or is that is there room for that to be a DAP uh, across different blockchains? Yeah, that's a great question. It's uh, it's um, so identity, you know, fundamentally. And I, I don't know how many people in here have thought about decentralized identity. Any anybody? So decentralized identity is. Um, there's a lot of nuances to that because you know, there, there's a lot of people approaching it from different perspectives, right? You have Civic, you have Sovereign, um, again, you got ArtBlock, and there's a lot of different companies and they're kind of saying, hey, we're gonna solve um, the identity problem by, you know, for example, maybe I have um, some type of wallet on my phone, but then there's some type of cloud storage where my data is actually stored. Um, so you have people kind of doing this, and, and but but I think one of the things we're, we're trying to juggle right now is, uh, from a decentralized identity, even before I answer that, is like, how do people actually use it, right? And and the most common answer, and, and why I ask that question is, it's not actually about the people in this room, it's actually about the people that are in India or the people that are in Africa. Um, what kind of devices do they have? How would, in fact, decentralized identity become a reality? Because I always kind of refer to it as like first world problems. Like we, the stuff we do is, you know, we're, we're actually pretty spoiled and how we can connect with technology and use it. But in fact, if, I, if I'm working with somebody in India that's out in a village, you know, maybe they have a phone, maybe they don't, maybe it's online half the time, maybe it's not. So from a decentralized identity perspective is, is creating something that in fact can live in kind of whatever environment you put it in, right? And it may only connect online for four hours a day, it may, connect, you know, may not connect for a week. Um, so how do you manage that, right? How do you build something like that for people to actually consume? And it's, um, again, people are trying to solve this really large problem. Um, in the other part with, I, I think to partially answer that question is also saying, um, in the end, you know, everybody has a phone. Phones aren't perfect, but phones in a lot of ways are, are a great opportunity to allow people to control the device, right? Control their interactions. Um, one of the things we find, we, we've done a lot of testing with like web browsers, you know, web wallets, you know, different types of wallets. They're not particularly secure um, because again, one of the things with a, with a, a phone is we can in fact, um, even today, there, there's really two layers, right? One is you can have a, wa a hot wallet and a cold wallet on your phone. Um, or you can actually, in reality, probably a lot, of, a lot of people in this room have two phones. Um, I 
I don't know. I, I'm guilty of that, right? But the idea being is that one one phone is a cold wallet, one phone is a hot wallet, right? And it actually, I, I can make those requests you know, between the devices as needed if I need to move assets. Um, and I think it's um, from a usability perspective, you know, decentralized identity as a concept is is actually, I think, very different than how we use online services today, right? Because everybody's using Google sign-on, Facebook sign-on, you know, Apple. Some people are using Apple sign-on already, Microsoft sign-on. Um, so all of us have to kind of get out of this perspective of, of just kind of like clicking like, oh, Google sign on. Great. It's so easy. Like I can just, oh, thank God. Like I don't have to enter in any information, <laughs> right? It's so easy. You know, so from our perspective, as we were doing that and, and kind of going back to the ArcBlock example when I was talking about the network, right? So the other thing we, we've tried to also do is from a development platform is to say, not only do we look at the developer tools, but we're actually trying to consider the end users as well, because in order for blockchain to be successful, as a technology, people have to be able to use it, to consume it, um, to leverage it. And so uh, from an identity standpoint, you know, this, this, is, this is where we see it right now. And I think it's, it becomes completely usable. And there's some, there's some other issues that go along with that, you know, but it's something where I think from a, from a protocol level, uh, building into the network and actually building into the protocol is a key component because then it works everywhere, right? And I think as a, as a user, again, as a normal user, that's, a, that's an important part. So the topic of tonight was uh, decentralized identity and in-network currency. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to start moving there. You know, Facebook came out with Libra, or they, at least the news on Libra recently. Uh, there's the Walmart coin. Uh, you know, Amazon actually just announced that they have, uh, or sorry, that they're searching for a uh, developer for their ad network. I've been pretty vocal in saying that I think that's the biggest cookie crumb to say that they're working on an in-network currency mm -hmm. because if you have an ad network that uses blockchain, you're naturally going to want to incentivize folks for that. Mm -hmm. um, so when we start thinking about all these retailers or uh, networks that we operate on a daily basis um, and we have an identity there, how does decentralized identity start to play a factor uh, in this new paradigm? Yeah, that's a great question. That my, my, my favorite statement just recently, I was reading an article about Libra, and um, I'm sure everybody in here is already familiar with that. But one of the favorite things I saw is they said, the one thing Facebook understands is they call it the power of the hash, right? And basically what that means is, you know, Facebook is getting control of a certain component that with that, they basically have control of you, right? Of your identity, because as if I'm, whether it's, whether it's cash or not, it doesn't really matter, right? But what they really want to do is get control of that hash, right? The, from, a, from a technical perspective, it's, if they can control that, right, they have a lot of control over the things that you do and to see what you, what you want to do. And I think um, you know, one of the things that, from, a, from a, a token perspective and currency perspective, is um, if you all think about like what tokens are and, and kind of what the purpose is, in fact, um, digital assets as a whole, um, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a misleading statement because digital asset can be anything that's a digital and has value, right? And for everyone in this room, it can mean different things, right? And you know, tokens. So, so you take like a Walmart, right? And in fact, they they have their token, and they're, they're it's it's a mechanism for business efficiencies to get you into the network. It's for loyalty. Um, but the other side of it is, you say, um, you know, digital asset could be. We we were talking about this the other day. I mean, the the simplest one, you know, the the example that most people use, you know, it could be licenses, it could be passports, it could be uh, could be money if you want it to be. It could be you know, kitties, digital kitties, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, but what's interesting about that is you know, this 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 in token kind of the 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 um, this currency models. You say currency can actually be anything, right? And I think that's one of the interesting things about like decentralized identities because 
I can actually take all these assets of mine or these 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 tokens and apply it to my identity, right? And again, that identity can be attached to whatever it is that I put value on, right? And and so for Walmart and for you know, and I, I think where Walmart and Target and all these companies really see that is because they understand that they're that people put values to these these digital assets, right? So whether it's again a Walmart coin, whether it's a Facebook coin, Libra it could be Arcblocks coin, um, it begins to have this. It has a greater value than just being money at that point, right? Because it can become something more personal. Because I then use that asset to buy, you know, whatever it is that I actually want to get. And so, um, you know, one side of it, and, and again, kind of the other side of it too, is I also. You know, DLT as a whole has a lot of benefits to a business. Um, you know, the interesting part with Walmart, I actually had a really interesting conversation with with T-Mobile, right? And T-Mobile is one of the big, the big cell, you know, cell cell companies, telecom companies, and and down in the United States, right? And um, one of the the guy was telling me, he's like, hey, if we can if we can implement this kind of like currency kind of in you know um, currency model um, with decentralized identity in our network, in, in fact, we can create a two percent efficiency on our transactions. Right. I'm like, oh, two percent. I mean, that's yeah. Whew, fantastic. Right. That that sounds amazing. Well, actually, that's like 90 million dollars. Right. I was like, ah, oh, like, I don't know. That, that actually does make sense. And so <laughs> if you think about like a Walmart, right, think about the, the scale of what they deal with. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of opposite example I would use is um, we had a lot of conversations with the U.S. Navy. Right. Uh, very large. You know, imagine a ship. Well, a ship has billions of parts. Right. And to be able to track and and. Um, kind of real-time monitor these things on using the blockchain. They have all sorts of efficiencies they create. And they say, well, I can have 3% efficiency, you know, an increase of 3% efficiency on this, you know, supply side to this ship, right? And again, all of a sudden, again, you're talking, you know, $400 million, right? And it's something where I think the values are, and again, people will, will associate different values to different things. But so me getting back to kind of the identity component, like me as a user, like, having the ability with decentralized identity to manage the things that are important to me is uh, incredibly powerful, right? Because all of a sudden, no longer do I just give everything away, right? I, I actually can keep the things that are important. I mean, even today with my phone, I say, you know, I've got my games, like, you know, I got my, my apps, I got all sorts of things, you know, my pictures, all kinds of things that are important to me, right? And really those, in a sense, are, are my own kind of digital tokens, right? My digital assets, you know, that I'm, I'm maintaining on there. And so it's, um, I, I think what, what, what we're preparing for is there's actually a, kind of a revolution that's coming, right, in terms of how we interact with our devices. And getting back to my T-Mobile example, um, some of the big telecom companies, the cell phone companies, um, in fact, are coming out with decentralized identity services in the next year. So it's something that they already realize that people have this, you know, they can generate this um, much greater loyalty, right, to that phone or to that service, right, by enabling this particular type of service on their phone. And so um, it's not far away where all of a sudden I go on and, you know, whether it's TELUS again or, you know, Rogers or whoever it may be, and all of a sudden I, I put my decentralized identity on the device that they, they own, you know, whatever it may be. And again, it's a great, it's a great way to, to build up that loyalty and enhance their services. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I didn't... I didn't realize that about the telecom, but it feels obvious after you say that out loud, right? Because everybody talks about when they talk about decentralized identity, how the phone is the best thing, you know, to to kind of be the the harbor of that. And mm -hmm. why wouldn't the telecom get involved with that? You know, when you think about T-Mobile and they have their different loyalty apps, like their T-Mobile Tuesday, or there's different yeah. things that keep you in there. Yeah. I think your own decentralized identity would be a little bit more Does anybody know sticky. T-Mobile Tuesday is uh, is a thing where they, so every week they put out and say, hey, we'll give you free ice cream, or we'll give you free tacos at Taco Bell, right? It's, and it's it's actually really stupid, but awesome at the same time, yeah. right? And they're like, oh, if you go in here, they, they 
I don't know if you know, so T-Mobile and Taco Bell actually ended up doing a store together. And if you use the app, you can go in and get, they had like a T-Mobile taco or something. It was the weirdest thing, right? Could you make calls on it? Of course I went. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went because I was like, I had to go see what like what it was. I was like, this is, it's it's kind of crazy, right? But if you think about that, the, the mechanism, so again, using identity or something, what they're actually doing is generating value to you, right? And, and while they're creating an efficiency and creating more loyalty to their brand, they're actually creating something for you at the same time, right? And that's where that identity slash token part begins to come to play where, um, also, there's you know you're, you become more involved with what you're doing. It's like WeChat, right? The more I use WeChat, the more I'm I'm tied into that platform, whether I want to be or not. For sure. So when we think about decentralized identity, we were, we were talking about like the kitties, and we we're talking about things like that. I uh, you know a lot of the the stuff that I've looked into and people I've talked with when we start to think about decentralized identity, we think of NFTs, right? Like so, like having the person or uh, essentially the human be the NFT or mm -hmm. the human be the crypto kitty in this context. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Is how, is, how does ArcBlock think about that? And um, you know, from there, we'll just tie that back into the whole in-network piece. Yeah, it's, uh, so identity, it's, um, yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I mean, at the end of the day, the, for us, what we always, we always value that the human is kind of like the key component to everything, right? Like I, at the end of the day, what decentralized identity means is it's it's empowering the user, right? Empowering the person to make decisions, right? Because as of today, we pretty much have all given away the ability to make a decision, right? Because I already give everything to Google and Microsoft and Facebook, and I have no choice, right? And in fact, if you look at the, the value of the data that they have, right? You know, whether it's a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, right? I mean, you know, that's an arbitrary number, right? But I have no, I have zero input on what actually happens with that, right? They could sell it, they could like give it to, you know, whoever they want to. Um, and so from Markblock's perspective, one of the things we're trying to do with the, the, the identity wallet is to say, first and foremost is have the ability to make a decision, right? Whether I, you know, of course, if the government says, yeah, I'm gonna have to get, you know, I have to give them something, right? But it's that ability to, to, to use my phone in a very simple swipe, provide, you know, have that ability to, to say yes or no, right? And, and in fact, it sounds so easy, right? When I, I think about that, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, there's not much to that yes or no, right? But in today's, you know, in today's world, that's a very powerful thing, right? Because it doesn't exist. For sure, right? For sure. Um, do you think that companies like Libra, Walmart, when they're thinking about their in-network currencies, are they thinking about decentralized identity? Do you, think they're, do you think that that matters or is it more just like, hey, like let's work this into the realm of what we already know? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think any any company doesn't necessarily have your best interests at heart. I think that's safe to say. I mean, yeah. I don't know. A bunch of Fortune 500 people signed something that said that now they don't care about shareholder value as much. Mm. Did you hear about that? Mm -hmm. I, 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 that's I will, good for business, right? Yeah. yeah. To to say that, and that's why, you know, you look at a lot of companies. I mean, you know, ha having a social kind of a social program or being socially aware is actually good for business, right? And in fact, from a PR perspective, and this is the marketing side, is like. The last thing I want to happen is to have some type of, uh, you know, issue related to race, you know, um, people, kind of whatever it has. Like I don't, I don't want to touch any of that stuff, right? So for for a CEO of a company, right, it's good business, right, to do that. Um, you know, as far as the tokens go, you know, it's it's something where, again, they're they're you're trying to get more of that tie into the platform, right? And and T-Mobile again, you know, going back to that, because they don't have my best interests at heart. I mean, they're trying to really 
build up that loyalty, right? I mean, that's exactly what Facebook does. I mean, how many, if, once you're in Facebook, it's hard to leave, right? Or same with like Google Sign-On. I like, I use Google Sign-On for everything, right? And it, it drives me crazy, right? Because I, I have no choice, but it's so easy and it makes me so happy, right? Because again, I don't have to do anything. Um, so it is something where I, I think, you know, there, there is that balance right now of, of trying to figure out who's going to have your best interests, you know, at heart, you know, right? And um, any app developer who, for example, with ArcBlock, there's a, a wallet SDK, right? So you can go on and, and anybody in this room can actually go on and build their own decentralized identity wallet, right, on the platform. You know, do I know, you know, do I know that, that he's going to have my, my best interests at heart? Well, probably not, right? I mean, he's got some reason he's building a wallet, right? There's something that he's trying to do. Um, yeah, so again, that, I think that's a that's a that's a tough direction. That's a yeah. tough question. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's the, you know the centralized identity is a really interesting topic for me. Uh, I've, I've met and seen a lot of companies attempting it, and um, you know I think some can be successful, and some you know I don't think will be. Uh, it's it seems as though it just has to be very intertwined with the platform, mm -hmm. not necessarily the protocol, but like with the platform. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't know that I can see, and I love your thoughts on this. I don't know that I see like a stripe for decentralized identity yet. Mm -hmm. um, uh, maybe like where, you know, where someone just offers their decentralized identity solution and then you, you put that on top mm -hmm. um, unless it's something in sort of like a Libra context, right? right. Like it, or it has to have something with that type of staying power. Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. The, so one of the interesting things with identity that's going on right now is so, so on one level you have companies trying to create a, um, kind of a, I won't say interoperable, right? But they're trying to create services that anybody can use, right? And it'll work at Microsoft, Google, or wherever it may be. But the other, the other angle that's starting to happen is people are creating proxies, right? So the proxy service, in fact, could run a hundred different identity systems through that proxy, right? So this proxy service says any identity system will work, right? As long as you, you know, run it through this. Um, you know, so from that perspective, it's, um, that's definitely something that's coming, right? And there's, I, I know people who are already already attempting to work on that, right? And that's what, so there's an organization called W3C, um, also DIF, with DIF, um, Decentralized Identity Foundation. You know, they're trying to do something similar. Um, but again, one of the things you, you, you quickly find, even with W3C, the idea being is that I've got 30 companies in there who are building W3C compliant um, DIDs, right? What they call a DID. Um, and within that, the idea being is that someday those will actually be interoperable with each other. So anybody who builds within the spec or the requirement, that should work with anybody else in the network, right? So any of these other W3C companies. Um, but the reality is even today, I mean, they're on version 1.0 and, and nobody's stuff works with anybody's. And um, and that's where those, I think those proxies come in where, where people are trying to find a way to say, well, actually, you know, don't worry about that. I'll just create the front end and, and like Auth0. Um, I don't know if anybody's familiar with Auth0. So, yeah. you know, I think at the initially when they came out with that idea, it's kind of like, oh, like that, I mean, that's, that can't be that awesome, right? It's just a bunch of different like services you can you can use Auth0 to log in and you know. But what they found, of course, now that you know it's a huge business, they're going public and all the other things, right? But it's something where it's very simple, and I, I think you know identity will have the same kind of the same same move here yeah. shortly. It seems like Facebook could have the opportunity to be that for everybody. I don't know that I would trust that Facebook. personally, right? Yeah. But like meaning was when I think about things like you know sign on with Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I would, it'd probably be pretty difficult for people to treat, to trust Facebook as a decentralized identity mm -hmm. uh, source. But, um, 
Yeah. I mean, they have the network to do so. You know what I'm saying? It's just like from a network effect aspect. Yeah. Um, I should qualify Facebook. So I I don't know about anybody in this room how many people use Facebook. I have 16 friends on Facebook, right? Of which 80% are my family, right? But the funny part is when I go onto Facebook and I I realize like how that all my coworkers, like all my friends, like, oh, these are all people you should connect with. I'm like, how do they, how do they even know this? Right? Because I have no connection. Like I don't, I don't have the app on my phone. I don't, I don't keep it anywhere, but somehow they know like everything, right? So do you trust yeah. that, right? It's yeah, it's anyways. It's no, just, it's good. Yeah, the whole the whole web, well, it, right? Like so, they do a really good job of like the tree of like where you visited. You might not yeah. realize you visited that. Um, I was actually um, yesterday. Um, I retweeted something that CoinDesk talked about, where they're talking about um, with crypto wallets, like how if you know a crypto wallet, then oh sorry, that they had um, two crypto wallets that were associated to people that um, are experiencing sanctions, and like how like that was a big deal because it was like they were basically they they were monitoring these crypto wallets. So then I said something online. So I was like, yeah, what's, what a lot of people don't realize when it comes to a crypto wallet is that once you know the wallet or the user of the wallet, you can essentially make like a tree of like to every single transaction that's hit that that wallet um, across all the other wallets. Mm-hmm. And I said something and someone responds like, huh, tree? <laughs> and so I go, I was like, have you ever watched a crime movie and you have the detective on the wall and he has like, you know, the bad guys and he like draws a string to him and he points right. it. I was like, think about that, but then now add crypto to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting. So I, probably most people here have used Ethereum or you know whatever it may be. And, and um, so so a couple of days ago we were talking about the, I, I was giving some people an example. So the SEC, right, which is the um, the organization in the U.S. that monitors like stock transactions, investing, insider trading, kind of all those things. Um, so ArcBlock actually we we participated in an RFP that they had to provide um, server nodes like Ethereum nodes, Bitcoin nodes. Um, and through the conversation, the, so, so we, ha- we actually have a, a, a government-centric tool that we, we built. Um, and the thing is, and kind of what he's describing is like once, like literally if I have a wallet, like say like um, Jonathan gives me his wallet, um, in 10 seconds I can go 20 layers deep, right, and connect anybody, right, to that. And, and not only do I have his connections and then anybody's can come, I can begin and, and basically create this entire relationship network, right, of, of who's there. And that's... You know, for better or for worse, right? I mean, I think if you're not doing anything bad, it's like, oh, I mean, that's cool. Everything's auditable. Like, you know, you can take a look. But, you know, for the bad guys, right? Of course, you know, they 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 yeah. they're trying to figure that out. And the the other part, um, it's the advantage of um, cryptocurrency over cash. If you are, you know, part of an organization, yeah. you know, that's trying to monitor nefarious activity, right? Yeah. So that's right. a lot of times people think say, well, like Bitcoin is used by nefarious actors. It's like, well, if it is or it isn't. Yeah it's a good way to then if once you find the wallet you could figure out who that nefarious actors are that's right that's right yeah no it's um so where the re- where I, the reason i even brought that up to begin with is uh i'm curious if there's a tie there to decentralized identity meaning so if you if somehow you figured out what someone's you know s- some aspect of someone's decentralized identity um, would there be a way to essentially, you know, storyboard or story tree that out to see and find out private information about someone? Yeah. So, so, so the example I'll use. So, so ArcBlock, right? We have a decentralized identity system. So, um, from a from a public standpoint, I can never find out whose wallet it is. Like, I'll just it's it's impossible, 
I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe the government can figure it out. Maybe they have tools, but um, you know, we and we we built it that way intentionally, right? I mean, that's really the idea of decentralized identity. There's a public version and there's a private version, right? And I don't, I don't have access to the the keys to see the the private, you know, to find out it's it's Matt McKinney, right, on that wallet. And um, but the again, the the interesting part with that, and there's a few different ties to that, is is one is similar to the Facebook example I was just giving a minute ago, right? Is that with a decentralized identity wallet, there's still what they call digital exhaust that happens. So if I'm going to a website or I'm using an application, um, there's still an IP address, right? And, and again, you can begin to correlate the data points back to an identity, or I'll say an identity wallet, if you will. Um, so it's not something where it's a it's a perfect kind of you know perfect privacy use case, right? Where I'm like I'm completely anonymous and shielded. In fact, there's lots of little bits of data that that get put out there. Um, so I think that's. Um, I, you know, for better, for worse. I mean, yeah. I, again, I think if you're not doing anything bad, it's 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 not a big deal. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because the, if you're not doing anything bad, I feel it gets it gets used for a lot of things, right? Um, yeah. Like Alexa, I always say like I don't know why anybody would want to bug their own house, yeah. right? And so my friends' response like, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm not hiding anything. I was like, I'm not hiding anything either. But yeah. I don't need Alexa, yeah. you know, recording me yeah. when I'm, you know singing a Frank Sinatra song yeah. or something yeah. by myself. Yeah, right? well, I think, so. And I think more and more too, and, and I think everybody here probably has heard about, you know, basically all the companies have come out and said, yeah, you know what, everybody, people are listening to you, <laughs> right? I think you guys all know, like Microsoft was saying, like we pay contractors $12 an hour to basically transcribe your conversations, right? And now they're all coming out, right? And basically admitting that this actually happens because again, you need, you, you need human intervention, right? To verify the accuracy of what's actually happening. And so, right. You know, but the, especially with, I mean, I'll, I'll confess, like, we actually got rid of all the devices in our house, like, because exactly that reason. And because, you know, like, at one point, like, oh, yeah, we had one in our, our you know, upstairs and our kids' room. And, like, yeah. I mean, you have them all over the place, right? And it's, it's, um, it's scary. And, and, and so Apple, Apple being kind of the closest to the edge, right? So, the, um, so with, you know, Google's device, with Alexa, those are very much centralized services, right? They live very close to the data center. Um, you know, Siri does not, right? So again, Siri is designed to live in that. And that's why, again, if you use it kind of in any fashion, you find, oh, it's not, I mean, like we have one in the office, it just turns on all the time for no particular reason and, and uh, kind of weird things that happen, right? But it's, you know, and I think that's that balance, the balancing act, right? And, and you know, especially with identity, right? And I think that's where really to, to exist and, and where blockchain in particular is really useful is that blockchain as a whole, and this is kind of going, getting a little further out there, it's, it's designed for the edge. Right. It's really the first time that infrastructure and software are, are going to the edge. Right. And they've been built for the edge from day one, not not the centralized infrastructure that you really see existing today. But they're really designed to live in your house, right, in your phone or wherever it may be. Right. And then it goes back in. Right. So it's really kind of a, a different type of design. Totally. Well, uh, it's been a great conversation. Um, thank you so much for being here. Uh, everybody give Mike, or Mike, yeah. what's your name, Mike? Matt. Everybody give Matt <laughs> a round of applause, sorry. Thanks so much. Um, Thank you for listening to the TF Blockchain Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and also follow us on social media for announcements on upcoming conferences, events, recordings, and news. Please review and rank our podcast so we can continue to spread awareness of blockchain, Bitcoin, and crypto. Thanks again for listening. Keep learning, keep growing, and keep building.